for great-looking T-shirts, hoodies, and sweatshirts. The TNT Shop is now open at tntradio.live. You're with James Freeman and the Freeman Report on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Hello and welcome to the Freeman Report. My name is James Freeman. I'm a former member of the European Parliament and this is my weekday show where I break down the big issues of our time in our fight for freedom, liberty and justice. It is Thursday the 14th of December 2023 and how are you all today? Um, If you're listening to us via the TNT radio app or website, why not try giving us a watch? Because we are now streaming via all of the leading video platforms such as Rumble, YouTube and Odyssey. And you can also find the video stream via the TNT radio app and also via a browser if you just plug in tntradio.live. So I'm really good today. And why wouldn't I be? Because during my show yesterday, the First Minister for Wales, Mark Drakeford, announced that he's stepping down. Now, this is great news for the people of Wales because he's done so much damage and harm to the country, whether that's the 20 mile an hour speed limit, the tourist tax, the cancelling, oh God, the cancelling of the M4 relief road, which was a project that went on for 20 years. It cost £150 million before he cancelled it um, because of the climate emergency. Um, There was also the time where he was videoed um, at a Diwali party dancing on a dance floor with a crowd of people right at the time that he was mandating lockdowns and restrictions on social mixing for everybody else during the pandemic. He also made all of the shops cordon off so-called non-essential goods to stop COVID because COVID's like that. It's clever. It knows the difference between essential and non-essential goods. Now, the only reason Labour has been in power here in Wales for the um, for the past 20 years is because of the miners' strike and the bust-up with Margaret Thatcher in the 1980s. That little incident in history means most people in Wales vote Labour because lots of family members worked in the mines. Um, and, you know, the joke is in the valleys here is that if you put a red rose on a donkey, they would vote for it. So anyway, great news on that front, although I'm not sure um, we're going to get anyone better. We'll probably get someone who is just as utterly awful as Mark Drakeford, but we'll wait and see. Anyway, enough of me today because I've got two great guests that I want to make time for. So first up, I'll be joined by Gaylene Barnes, who directed River of Freedom, a film that had its worldwide premiere yesterday. So we're going to play a clip um, of the trailer after the break, um, after me and Gemma have spoken, and then we'll hear from Gaylene on her hopes for the film. Second up, I'll be joined by Shabnam Mohammed, who is a steering committee member for the World Council for Health. We'll be talking about Monday's debate in Parliament on changes to the international health regulations and also other updates from the World Council for Health. If you want to get in touch, as always, please email me at jamesfreeman at tntradio.live and get yourself over to tntradio.live and join in the conversation. Get over there now. There's loads of them in there. Just looking now, we've got Daniel, we've got Dunno, we've got Maisie um, and um, Vanessa and loads of others in the chat there. So if you want to join in, get yourself over to tntradio.live and click on the chat icon. My name is James Freeman, and this is the Freeman Report. 
for TNT Radio. Going 360 on the headlines. It's really well-balanced conversation. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Right, now I've got to do it, Gemma, because the chat have demanded it. I saw it earlier, so good morning, Gemzy. <laughs> well, what the chat wants, the chat gets. The chat that's, gets, that's all yes, I'll say. absolutely. The chat can have it. They can have it. It's coming up to Christmas. There's a Christmas present from me to the chat there. I don't really interact with the chat that much because I'm often busy looking at breaking stories. But I think one of my New Year's resolutions will be to get involved in the chat because I know there's some a lot of really good discourse goes on in there and a lot of really good ideas for kind of stories and subject matter. So, uh, yeah, you can have my nickname, chat, and then in the New Year, you can have me as well. <laughs> Happy New Year. I mean, I mean, the other thing... Another big thank you um, for people in the chat. I do get lots of emails now from people who are in the in the chat and they say, oh, hi, by the way, my username is this. Um, and they've been great. They've, they've suggested some really good guests that have been on the show um, that, you know, they, I've had a, a couple of emails in the last couple of days um, and, uh, you know, I'll be able to do some research on certain people they've suggested there. So thank you for engaging everybody. And if you um, are not engaged yet, get yourself over there, tntradio.live. Right, Gemma, what um, what story have you got for us today? Well, we are a global news station and uh, we, we look at a lot of stories in Australia because they're ahead of us. So obviously the stories there have already broken. America is obviously behind us time-wise, but there's a story that's come out of America. It's broken in the last hour here in the UK. And I looked at it and I thought, I can't believe this. I can't believe this. Now, ostensibly on the surface, this is a nice story, right? So, you know, a new after-school club is being launched in a school in Tennessee. Um, and that's lovely. It's going to start in the new year. It's going to start on January the 10th between half past four and half past five, an after-school club. Absolutely lovely. But no, it's an after-school club of Satan. I, I kid you not run by the satanic temple at Chimney Rock Elementary School in Cordova, just outside Memphis, Tennessee. And it is a satanic after-school club for elementary school children aged between four and 10 years old. Now the flyer, which has a Lovely little cartoon, a cuddly little cartoon of Satan and some pentagrams on it for good measure. It says the Satanic Temple is a non-theistic religion that views Satan as a literary figure who represents a metaphorical construct of rejecting tyranny and championing the human mind and spirit. We're not attempting to convert children. We're just offering activities emphasizing rationalistic, non-superstitious and scientific worldview. It's Satan. It's, they're very um, open about this. The school district that runs the school has said they're going to give permission to rent this space, this after-school space, in the, in the on the spirit of the First Amendment, free speech. And understandably, I think, really, parents and residents have gone absolutely mad and said that the school district has only rented out the space because they don't want a lawsuit on their hands as a result of the First Amendment, which is free speech, freedom of expression. Um, the Satanic Temple has been approached for comment. They haven't commented, but I've had a look at the flyer and it's, it, it is a strange looking flyer. Um, and it says on the top, it offers science projects, community projects, puzzles, games, nature activities, arts and crafts and snacks. I don't know what a Satanic snack looks like. The mind boggles. I'm sure the chat might have a few ideas, but I just thought it just coming out of America, which, you know, it really is quite a conservative Christian country, uh, quite openly. Uh, this satanic after-school club. I mean, it almost makes me want to get on a plane and have a look and see what they're going to actually be doing. Um, but it's a story that's come out of the States this morning that's broken here. And I just thought I can't ignore this one. So let's get your take on it. Yeah, I mean, 
obviously, you know, the name um, and um, the meaning behind that. But some of the things you talked about there, um, talk, I think you mentioned science, um, rejecting tyranny. Um, is this not just a case of, um, you know, it being a little bit artistic license um, in terms of the name? Um, are they, you know, are they really going to be worshipping Satan? Um I don't know the, the description that you said there in terms of the activities didn't really match what I was expecting. Um, go over them again. What were they, Gemma? Well, you have to wonder what they are, though. You see, because yeah, science project, yeah, a satanic science project, community project, yeah, or presumably a satanic community project. You know, games, <laughs> satanic games. I mean, this is going into some very dodgy waters here. And also on the flyer, it says that the um, satanic temple, who are sponsoring this after-school club, they adhere to the seven fundamental tenets. They don't list what those seven fundamental tenets are. You'd obviously have to go and look at their kind of uh, sort of ground you know, their kind of mission statement, I suppose, is for want of a better word. But I just think that it's it's either just an attempt to court controversy and to and to get this after school club on the map. Parents don't want it. They clearly yeah. don't want it in in, uh, in Cordova. Um, but that it, it is a satanic club. So I'm I am assuming you should never assume in journalism that these science projects, arts and crafts and nature activities will have a satanic element based on these seven fundamental tenets. It is quite an unusual I've never seen one of its kind ever, certainly not in the UK. And I'm surprised to see one coming out of the USA. Yeah, it does sound odd, doesn't it? Can I give you some homework to do, Gemma? Um, could you dig into this a little bit more? Maybe even email if there's a if you can find them online and email them and see if you can get their prospectus and what kind of um, activities they'll be doing. Is that OK? Could we do that? Yeah, I mean, it's got shades of Bohemian Grove written all over it for me, you know, worshipping God knows what in a forest somewhere. <laughs> that's what, And that's my personal <laughs> opinion. If you're listening, Satanic Temple, I don't wish to cast aspersions, but it's a bit odd. And like little kids as well, the age between four and ten, it's kind of giving them the, oh, yeah, Satan's a good guy. He's just, you know, rejects tyranny. And oh, I don't know, it's, it's a little bit odd. I will do some further digging on this one. I will. And if I've got an update, I'll, I'll make it my first item tomorrow when we uh, when we talk again. Yeah, I mean, it does sound um, on the face of it a little bit like grooming, doesn't it? You know, um, getting them ready for being satanic little um, or big adults. Um, but who knows? I don't know. It could just be a, a club um, and they're just using a bit of an artistic license. But yeah, let's look into this because at the face of it, it does sound pretty horrendous, doesn't it? Right. Thank you for that, Gemma. I'm not going to hang around today because I've got two guests and um, we're going to also play the trailer from River of Freedom. So I want to crack on. So thank you very much, Gemma. Um, speak to you again tomorrow. And to the rest of you, don't go anywhere. We're going to take a short break now. But when we come back, um, we will have um, Gaylene Barnes, who directed um, River of Freedom um, on the line with us. And like I said, we're going to play that trailer for you in a moment. So if you're not watching, you're just listening, get yourself over quickly to YouTube, type in um, TNT Radio, click on the live tube, and then you'll be able to watch the, sh the rest of the show um, um, with us and get yourself over to tntradio.live and click on the chat icon and you can even then join in the conversation. My name is James Freeman and this is the Freeman Report for TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. The double standard is out there. It's so obvious. It's so frustrating. Eric Holder gets held in contempt of Congress for defying a congressional subpoena. Nothing happens. Obama's DOJ didn't pursue it. Steve Bannon and Peter Navarro defy a congressional subpoena. Joe Biden's DOJ criminally prosecutes them. Criminally. 
prosecutes them for defying a congressional subpoena. And now we've got congressional subpoenas of Hunter Biden and James Biden, the resident's brother. And guess what? Nothing's going to be done by Merrick Garland, Barack Obama, Joe Biden's DOJ. That's right. I said Barack Obama. Obama's the shadow president. He's not the one pulling the strings. He wasn't pulling the strings in his own administration. You know, Valerie Jarrett was his minder. Where is the Iranian-born Valerie Jarrett these days? Haven't seen or heard much of her. It's because the Democrats are smart. Timothy Shea on today's News Talk TNT Radio. God's truth is enduringly true throughout all the generations. It transcends culture. The church is always going to be an embattled people. If it's swimming with the tide, it's not being the church of Jesus Christ. Look to the past, learn from the past, because the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. China has more than 200 confirmed cases of coronavirus, it's called. The entire state of California ordered to stay at home. That's 40. California has some of the strictest policies leveled against churches. Gavin Newsom's executive order threatens jail time and a thousand dollar a day fine. Government stopping people from going to church, Dr. Fauci. When I went into the White House, when I sat in on the task force meetings, was a shocking level of gross incompetence. The mortality rate from the virus was 0.2%, you know, 99.8% survival, rather than the 3 or 4% mortality that the, the people were saying at the time. The culture and the understanding of the people of Grace Church has always been, not only do you obey government, but you honor government. Thousands of people in the streets, but you can't have church. The hypocrisy of letting people riot it helped us all understand one thing. This is not what they say it is. By meeting, we're testifying the government has no jurisdiction here. I was arrested and driven to a maximum security prison. The government has obviously uh, turned up the heat on churches. My daddy. <laughs> when the churches fall silent, the only religion left is the state. We needed to make a biblical statement because we always put ourselves under the authority of the Word of God. LA County threatened Pastor John MacArthur with jail time and arrest. We were going to be sued. They wanted Grace Church shut down. We wanted to go on the offensive and attack the health order as unconstitutional. This wasn't about health and safety. This was all about control and opposition to religious freedom. As the government gets more corrupt and more corrupt, snitches get rewards. Its totalitarian control has to increase. And you have to have a mask on. And as they shut down any attacks against them, this is not about freedom or personal choice. The last thing standing is going to be the church. It's time to switch on today's News Talk Radio. Very entertaining. TNT. Right. Well, as I said on the show yesterday, um, River of Freedom was had its worldwide premiere yesterday. It has been out in New Zealand for a while. Obviously, I had Robin Minotti, who's the executive producer. He was on the show, um, I don't know, a month, five weeks ago, something like that. So I'm absolutely delighted. I haven't seen the film yet because um, it's three and a half hours long and I do want to watch it all in one go. So me and my wife are going to sit down tomorrow evening. But I've seen the trailer and I just it's just one of those films that I know I'm going to love. So I'm absolutely delighted that Gaylene Barnes um, is with me now. She directed the film. Hello, Gaylene. How are you doing? Hello. 
Hi, hello. Thank you so much for having me. It's great. No, thank you for joining us because it is, I think, 20 minutes past midnight for you um, mm -hmm. in New Zealand. So thank you for staying up late to join us. Um, right, Gaylene, let's get stuck, stuck straight in. Um, we're going to play the clip in a moment. But before we do that, I wonder if you just wouldn't mind just introducing yourself quickly and also telling us what you, what the hopes you have for the film. Because I spoke to Robin yesterday. He's got high hopes that this will help wake up some people who maybe haven't woken up yet. So mm. please introduce yourself and then tell us what your hopes are for the film. Uh, well, I'm a, a director, uh, a filmmaker and an editor, also an artist and an organic farmer. But um, what I really hope for the film is that um, people find out what happened to us here in New Zealand. Um, I was pretty determined to film um, the, the, the convoy and discuss the tyranny of the mandates and how we responded in New Zealand um, with a, quite a big occupation in Wellington. So it's a really fantastic opportunity. We just launched two days ago across a lot of different online platforms, and it's a fantastic opportunity for the rest of the world to find out what happened in New Zealand. And we've tried to make the film quite uh, wide, open, mainstream, you know, so that um, it's it's open for everybody to sort of just understand. You know, it's about because with understanding and with listening, um, we can actually start to heal and and just actually um, have some more well-being in our society. And, you know, for New Zealand, that's what we we're hoping um, to be listened to. So I'm hoping the rest of the world can do that too. Yeah, and I've I've got high hopes for this film because, you know, there were lots of us in the UK that did follow what was going on in New Zealand at the time. Oh. But of course, most people are not plugged into the to to the alternative or well, new media, I should call it. Um, you know, they just watch the legacy media. So there's a lot of people that this this story mm. of what happened in New Zealand, they won't have a clue about it. So studio, please can you play um the trailer? So clip one, please. My role in my own heart and the reason why I was there is that I needed to speak the truth. I had to educate myself. Personally, I'm pro-vaccination, but having to sack people because they don't take a vaccination is, in my book, just immoral. Like a river That is This is the world that we're in now. You better toe the line, but we wouldn't. No, I need to do this. I, I feel so strongly about it. But I'm proud of what I did and what I fought for. The Wellington protest was that light. It gave me that faith back that maybe we don't have to go down that dark road. This was where our power was. I just wanted to get one night on the whenua, and if we'd have got through that, I was happy. If the politicians of New Zealand think that these little games that they're playing against us are against some of the most resourceful people in New Zealand, they're dreaming. Give them an umbrella! I think I understood because I listened.
Your job as a politician is to represent the people. This leadership group had a person offered to negotiate. I just assumed the government would behave reasonably. If democracy is a conversation and politicians don't want to have the conversation, what are we all doing here? Be calm, everyone. Peace and love. How can you be an anti-vaxxer when you had a vaccine? You know, like you did it, right? You're not an anti-vaxxer, you're an injured person. We'd already been bullied out of everything else. I didn't have anything else to lose. <laughs> Made me cry every day they didn't come. Wow, the hairs on the back of my neck are standing up, um, Gaylene. Um, you know, I remember all of those scenes well from, and of course, you know, the violence from the police um, that they used, the violence they used against peaceful protesters. Um, Gaylene, you're 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 a New Zealander. How does that make you feel watching that? Um, <laughs> I've seen it so many times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess, yeah. But I'm still emotional. You know, it, it doesn't leave you. Um, I, 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 I myself think I'm still going to take quite a few years to um, recover from the, you know, the bullying that we experienced ourselves, the rejection from our friends and family. It's still not, they're still not, it's still not over. It's still not um, resolved. Um, the reason, you know, people went to Parliament was you know, it was about the mandates and to try and um, reverse COVID legislation, which was out of control. It was to stand up for our human rights. But one of the biggest things was because of the division that was happening in society. It was just like sights. And it's um, even, and so even during our release, um, you know, we have had very little media attention. Um, they're still ignoring us, um, even though we've probably been the most watched documentary in the cinema uh, this year. Um, so, yeah, that's been, um, yeah, uh, and so I'm just, we, we're really hoping that people can watch it with an open mind. And what, because um, of course, Jacindra Ardern, she was incredibly divisive. Um, I would go as far to say, actually, I, I would use the word evil because she, I remember that video of her, um, you know, being asked, but that sounds like you're trying to create a two-tiered society. And she said, no, 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 that's exactly what it is. Um, she was truly awful. Um, of course, she brought in the no job, no, no jab, no job policy. Um, those people that lost their jobs, and there were lots of people that lost their jobs in New Zealand, have any of them been taken back on? Uh, you know, has the healing process started in New Zealand? Um, yeah, just uh, Jacinda Ardern was um, a, a remarkable leader for the first term, and I voted for her twice. <laughs> uh, you know, I re totally regret it now. I mean, she um, she was advocating kindness. She wanted to stop child poverty. You know, she had some great things she was putting forward, um, but then her halo just fell off, and. Um, 
I think it was probably that um, speech where she said, oh, yep, yep, two, two classes of society, yep. But, you know, and, and, and they need to be punished. It was a punitive measure. So people lost their job for punishment, not be, for health reasons. So, um, and yeah. some people have their jobs back for sure. Um, the, our social media manager here, Megan, she's a um, mental health nurse. And uh, no, she's not going back. There's a lot of people just refuse to go back because they're so poorly treated, bullied. And even their colleagues, you know, were very rude. So it's just, it's really hard to rebuild those bridges. So people have just found new careers, actually. Mm. And this, um, the film has been out for a while in New Zealand now, hasn't it? And like you said, it has been the most popular documentary film this year in New Zealand. Um, what have been the feedback um, from people who maybe at the time were the people that were doing the bullying? Because, of course, it wasn't just employers. You know, people were told not to invite people around for Christmas and all this kind of thing. Very similar to what happened in Australia and other parts of the world as well. Um, yeah, what has been the feedback? Do you think that it has, has opened the minds of people mm. who maybe were on the wrong side at the time? Oh, um, definitely. We were getting a lot of comments that it's making them think. Um, I think in this, uh, probably the most majority of people are people who um, just are supportive of what you know the the protesters' goals were, and and actually at the time there were thirty percent of New Zealanders supported the um, you know people's rights to have their jobs and to have a choice around medical freedom, basic human rights, and, and knew that the law and the legal system was over overreaching, was too far. So I would say the majority of people who have seen the film now are in that category. Um, yeah, but for those, some people, <laughs> my mother was a bit upset that they messed up the lawn. <laughs> <laughs> really? Bless her. She said, oh, but it um, made me think. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the other thing to mention here um, before you go, Gaylene, is, is of course, now we're sort of two, two years on um, from when the vaccines came out. There is a lot more evidence now of the harm that the vaccines have done globally across the world, despite the fact that governments are trying their best to ignore that. Um to me, watching, I'm sure I'm going to get absolutely furious when I watch this tomorrow night, because for me, that is that—that that is the thing here, making people have a medical intervention. Has it stirred, re-stirred that anger in New Zealand, do you think? I know. Um, what that's been my biggest surprise is at the end of a screen, the, the premiere, there was um, just some peace and relief that we, that the story's out there and we're just being heard. And um you know there's other venues where that um that is going to um that story is going to start to develop in fact there's reports already out you know that new zealand is new zealand has done which already explains that myocarditis for instance is a statistically significant adverse effect you know event i mean they know it they've already done the analysis of four and a half million vaccinated new zealanders but even that report, which was published two months ago, has not been published mm. in the media because the media are feeling like they need to, to um, because they pushed the safe and effective line along with the government. So I don't know why 
it's, it's sort of breaking down that, oh, maybe there was something there kind of thing. And uh, hopefully it's not, doesn't require another revolution, maybe just an evolution of thought and some, just some being some, having some compassion again would be great. Yeah. Well, listen, um, Gaylene, um, thank you so much for directing this film. I do have high hopes like Robin for this. It's a beautifully filmed um, uh, documentary. Um, and I am hoping that it will wake up some people and make them think twice so that we never, ever end up in that situation again. Ladies and gentlemen, Gaylene Barnes, thank you very much. Thank you. Right. Thank you. Right. OK, don't go anywhere, because after this short break, I'll be joined by Shabnam Mohammed from the World Council for Health. So stay tuned with me, James Freeman on TNT Radio. Now, TNT Radio News. I have huge news. Are you ready for it? Yeah, do it. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. In a rare move, Hunter Biden has fronted the media, defending his father just hours before House Republicans voted to formally start their impeachment investigation into the president. A schoolteacher in Ireland who was fired for refusing to refer to a transgender student as they instead of he will spend Christmas behind bars. And former US President Donald Trump has warned if he's not re-elected in 2024, the US will sink into a depression comparable to 1929. We're the pinup boys and poster girls for free speech. We just don't look as impressive as Vladimir Putin shirtless on a horse. Yeah, 24-7, 365. We never stop sifting fact from fiction, misinformation from the truth. From government overreach to the latest on mandates, big tech censorship to propaganda gone mad. Listen to TNT Radio and get the news and views direct from our expert presenters and commentators anywhere you go. Ask Alexa. Or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk. This is TNT Radio. Right. Well, I'm delighted to be welcoming back Shabnam Mohammed from the World Council for Health. Hello, Shabnam. How are you doing? Hello, James. Always such a pleasure to be speaking with you. Thank you so much. I'm well. No, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, obviously, we're going to talk about the World Council for Health, an incredibly important organisation globally and the work that you're doing at the moment. So um, I wonder if you wouldn't mind just giving a very, very quick, I'm sure most people know who you are, Shabnam, but just give a quick introduction to yourself and then we can talk about this debate in Parliament, which was actually facilitated by the World Council for Health. It is a debate in Parliament on the international health regulations. So first of all, quick introduction, and then let's kick off that conversation, Shabnam. So James, I'm an activist, journalist, and lawyer from South Africa. I'm on the steering committee. I serve on the steering committee of World Council for Health. Uh, I'm also the executive director of Children's Health Defense Africa, and I'm with Transformative Health Justice in South Africa, I think. That's it in a nutshell. And I firmly believe that the power of the people is stronger than people in power. I love I love that line. That's fantastic. Right. So, Shabnam, um, I guess, first of all, let's let's tell people how this debate came about, because it did actually it was it's thanks to the World Council for Health that we're actually having this debate in Parliament on Monday, isn't it? Absolutely. Well, World Council for Health co-founder, Dr. Tess Laurie, very familiar to you and your audiences, actually um, started a petition for the IHR amendments to be debated in Parliament over 100,000 signatures later that call could not be ignored. 
And so this, this debate will happen on Monday, the 18th of uh, December, I believe it's 4.30 p.m. And the World Council for Health, as well as our partners uh, around the world, are raising mass awareness for the public to attend or participate, for UK parliamentarians to attend and participate, but also for people around the world and parliamentarians around the world get actively involved and understand why this is such an issue. The IHR amendments, James, as you know, pose a threat to health, freedom, and sovereignty, but it also creates a trading cartel for the predator class, the 1%, that will use the WHO, an agency of the UN, uh, to conclude these massive deals, leaching resources from our economies and placing our countries under enormous debt. So I, for one, am delighted that this is happening and it really is a testament to the power of the people. It definitely is, isn't it? And it's a really important debate because a lot of the um, negotiations around this and a lot of the talks have gone on in secret, yeah. haven't they? And we only know about what we know because of people like James Roguski and the World Council for Health um, in terms of doing the hard work in terms of reading all the boring papers coming out of the WHO and doing all of that investigative work. So this debate on Monday, what do you want to focus, what do you want it to focus on specifically? What do people need to know about? I think, well, the World Council for Health had first, first spotted this new pandemic treaty in Q4 2021. And then we were alerted to the dangers the IHR posed by Dr. Astrid Stickelberger who's also a WHO insider. And so this movement uh, began to grow beyond stop the treaty and stop the amendments, but rather stop the WHO or exit the WHO. It's the right thing to do. The amendments currently in question were adopted at last year's World Health Assembly number 75, specifically the most important one related to the duration for amendment, for the duration of time that countries have to object to amendments and the duration of how much time we would have before an amendment becomes of force and effect, both of which have been drastically shortened, which of course creates massive problems in democratic societies, James, because public people uh, have the right to public participation. There's been little to none, whether on the IHR amendments or that new pandemic treaty or anything else the WHO and the UN are doing. And so the debate needs to center around the very real threats that this kind of totalitarian uh, bureaucracy poses to our health, our freedom, and our sovereignty. I think representatives also attending the WHO and making decisions on our behalf have no mandate to do so. Again, it comes back to informed consent. Did we, as the people, consent? And I firmly assert that if we do not participate, if we do not consent, then nothing that they actually agree on or do is valid. It's in fact null and void, which we are asserting in South Africa, like other countries, We've written a notice letter to the WHO telling them that their processes are invalid. What they're doing is a threat to sovereignty. And of course, we've discovered that the IHR 2005 was not properly domesticated into South mm. African law, which makes everything they do invalid. Yes, James Roguski was on the show last week and what he said um, um, you know, we've had a, a quite a big change around of uh, politicians in the foreign office. Uh, we've got David Cameron is the latest. But during that game of musical chairs, Parliament hasn't been informed about some of the changes they're making. Um, and this is the scary thing, isn't it, Shabnam? Because, 
You know, the IHR have been in place, um, well, the latest um, iteration of it since 2005. And it's it, it's not like other international treaties or it's not an international treaty. So it doesn't actually need a vote by parliament. Now, the thing that really worries me is why they changed the rules to make a shorter period between when they propose changes to when they actually come into effect. Because countries essentially, what they need to do, they don't rubber stamp it. They have to say that they don't agree with it, but by this certain date. So it's very sneaky of them, isn't it, to shorten that date whereby democratic countries have the opportunity to debate the changes and then say whether they agree with them or not, isn't it? Well, I have a different view. I think that every international agreement has to go through parliament. It's the same in our country as well. South Africa, all agreements need to go through a parliamentary process. Parliamentarians have constitutional oversight that's written into our constitution. And I'm pretty sure we can find similar provisions in the UK as well. And over and above that, politicians and the executive are meant to serve the people. But yes, of course, it is extremely concerning that this is what the WHO is trying to do to shorten these time periods. Mm. But I have noticed that the working group on the IHR is pushing back with some very real criticism of what these proposals and these amendments contain. For example, the one that says the director general can declare public health emergency of international concern, even if your country disagrees, uh, the working group on the IHR is saying, but that's a threat to sovereignty. So I want to give credit where credit is due and to say that there are some competent and ethical allies perhaps on the inside, uh, but that really it's up to us to make our politicians aware. One of the instruments we have yeah. at World Council for Health is a policy on global monopoly over public health, which you can find on our website. Yeah, and you, you touched on something really important there because people hear about these bodies like the WHO and they just think, you know, they are inherently evil and that what they're trying to do. But actually, you know, yes, they've been captured from the top down. But I know from some of the work that I do in the background that there are good people, um, very senior people at the WHO who are actually really unhappy um, with lots of things going on at the organisation, particularly with the funding, the fact that the organisation is two thirds funded by um, foundations like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Gavi. Some of these foundations obviously have direct interest in the products which potentially in the future the WHO could mandate. So a really, really important debate on Monday. And um, and Shadnam, people can come, can't they, to Parliament Square um, to create a lot of noise, bring banners um, and, and, and whatever to try and create this um, um, attention on the, the Parliament, can they? What time is actually the, the meeting happening? It's 4.30pm. It's also going to be broadcast on the Parliament platform, perhaps organizations and groups can find a way to restream those. But yes, we're encouraging people to come with your flyers, come with your banners, bring your children, help them understand why this is such a problem. Uh, translate the content that's been output so people around the world know exactly what's going on and try to replicate that in your own country. Ensure your parliamentarians uh, realize that they're going to become irrelevant. If the WHO and the UN have their way with these power grabs, we won't have democracies left. I'm looking forward to Monday and I hope your audience is going to support the debate. Yeah, fantastic. If you are watching or listening um, and you you live you know near London, you can get there on Monday. Please do get down there because, you know, we haven't got many opportunities now to stop this global takeover. And Monday's opportunity is um, an opportunity to create a lot of noise, 
get MPs um, aware of the fact that people really care about this. Right, Shabnam, we're going to take a quick break now. And when we come back, we're going to talk about Plasmid Gate, uh, the expert hearings from the WCH and also the great free set. So we're talking about all of that after this short break. So stay tuned with me, James Freeman on TNT Radio. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. Stop letting leftists set the agenda. Stop letting them turn nothing burgers into the most pressing issues of the day. Stop letting them use words like inclusion, equity, fairness, and diversity as cudgels to beat you into submission. Stop bowing, stop scraping, stop bending the knee, and stop giving them what they desire, an abject apology, assuring them that they'll get their way and everything will be fine. Because it won't be fine. That won't be the last complaint. Every time you submit to them, you encourage them. You give them more fuel for their next attack. And it will go on for decades. The Onondaga Nation complained to Syracuse University about the Saltine Warrior mascot in 1978. And here we are, 45 years later, the Onondaga Nation is complaining to Liverpool High School about using Warriors as their athletic mascot. For 45 years it was fine, but now all of a sudden in 2023 it's not. Stop giving in to this culture of destruction. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. We all know what it's like to feel alone. But it just takes one new connection. Want to get out of here? To empower many. This is unbelievable. It doesn't take a superhero to bring forces together. We all have the power to reach out. Let's go! And help someone feel like they belong. Pretty cool, huh? We are stronger together. This is the Freeman Report with James Freeman on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Right. Now, Shabnam, um, the World Council of Health does some great work, lots of work globally, setting up country councils, which you're doing at the moment. But also you have this Monday meeting, don't you, every week where you bring in experts from around the world. And I know you've done some great reveals on there, highlighting some really worrying evidence, haven't you? And I think one of them is the plasmid gate expert hearings. Tell us all about that, Shabnam. Well, plasmid gate, James, is certainly one of the biggest controversies in science that the world has ever known. What the World Council for Health has done is rely on our experts in various countries around the world. We hosted a scientific expert hearing on the 9th of October, bringing together some of the foremost experts in their fields, including Dr. and Professor Sucharit Bhakti, to expose the issues surrounding plasmid gate contamination, the impact on DNA, et cetera. And we followed that up, James, with a legal expert hearing on the 27th of uh, November. And in that hearing, we had experts, including one scientist, Fahri Hassan, who's an expert on conflicts of interest. I certainly think you'd enjoy having him on as a guest, uh, but also lawyers, Katie Ashby Coppins from Australia, Julian Gillespie, Australia, Peter Pham, Australia, Sue Gray, New Zealand, Wendy Lowe, Singapore, and Dr. Willem van Aert, who is a South African-born professor now living in the U.S., and he's an international human rights lawyer, an expert, actually. And we talked about avenues for law, justice, and human rights. Now that we know the evidence, which is what the health and science gives us, 
uh, what what is to be done around transparency, accountability, and reparation. We know Big Pharma has a history of profiteering from misery, but we've all become a lot more awake and alert to how they operate. And now the question is, how do we ensure that there is accountability? And so Fahri presented on conflicts of interest, always very popular. Um, Dr. Willem van Aert talked about the international human rights law aspects of plasmid gate and the voluntary consent criterion, which as we know is enshrined in the Nuremberg Code, and which of course none of us had during the COVID-19 chapter. Peter Pham talked about poisoning the well of humanity, human rights implications, certainly a very powerful video which you can watch on our newsroom, worldcouncilforhealth.org. Julian Gillespie compared the GMO acts of Australia and other countries. So this was also very interesting, James, because before uh, releasing a GMO product on the public, one, there's got to be a public participation process, and two, the releaser has got to have a license to do so. And we are making the argument that certainly there was no license to do, to do so in Australia, probably around the world as well. Uh, Katie took us through a lawsuit against Pfizer and Moderna uh, to stop dealing with these pro products because they contain OR GMO. Uh, Wendy Lowe talked about finding ways to litigate in Singapore. Fascinating discussion, really. We're so glad that um, she actually joined us. And then Sue Gray uh, talked about comparisons with what's happening in New Zealand and similar experiences of fraud, corruption, and collusion that we're seeing happening around the world. But throughout this experience, James, you were hearing strategies around dealing with the fraud, the corruption, the misleading advertising, the roles of regulatory authorities, and the fact that we were denied informed consent, which is a fundamental human right. And I would certainly encourage everyone to have a look at both expert hearings, 9th of October, the scientific expert hearing, and the follow-up 27th November, the legal expert hearing, both around plasmid gate. And of course, we've got more expert hearings in the pipeline for 2024. Yeah, and this this is this makes me really angry because it's obvious now um, when we look back that they changed the definition of vaccines a few years ago. So in preparation for this. And you know, if these products, these gene-based products, had gone through the testing for a gene-based product, it would have been much more scrutiny, certainly here in the UK via the MHR, MHRA. Um, but they didn't, did they, Shabnam? They went through as traditional vaccines, which meant they were basically just given a free pass. Um, so there's that aspect that I, I makes me really angry, that does. But also, like you said, informed consent. I know family members personally that didn't have a clue that these weren't just traditional vaccines. I mean, it's disgraceful what they've got away with, isn't it? It is disgraceful, but we are starting to see in Italy, <clears throat> in Italy, for example, excuse me, there is a criminal investigation uh, into the role of high-level politicians in covering up adverse effects from the COVID-19 injections. And no doubt this sets precedence in other parts of the world where we also have to hold these political leaders, these regulatory authorities, and anyone who colluded with them accountable. One of the biggest challenges we have, James, is that our regulatory authorities are funded in some way by the pharmaceutical industry. So are the colleges. So are all the research grants. And so certainly conflicts of interest has got to be foremost in our minds as a point of exposure in 2024 and beyond. And in fact, I think legislation needs to be enacted in all of our countries, preventing conflicts of interest that harm our health, our freedom and our sovereignty. 
Yeah. And of course, I know one of the principles of WCH, the World Council for Health, is to put sovereignty back in the hands of the individual and take it away from these centralized structures. Now, Shabnam, um, where can people go to watch these videos? So they're available on our newsroom on the website worldcouncilforhealth.org. You'll also find summary articles around these videos on World Council for Health Substack uh, platform as well. So you may want to read, you may want to watch, but do something. And more importantly, share this content with lawyers and other scientists so that we can start framing legal actions and really test our courts, test our judiciary, test the democracies that we live in, but beyond that, to also get radically healthy so we don't find ourselves in these kinds of positions again. Yeah, I think the main message is get involved. Go and consume these, um, the, the, all of this information and this detail and get involved because I think that's where our democracies have gone wrong. We've got too many people who just think we can just leave it to the politicians and we clearly can't. Um, now, Shabnam, another great um, campaign that the World Council for Health is running is the Great Free Set. Tell us all about that. Well, I just love this campaign, James. Personally, I feel we should spend half our time resisting and the other half building, right? Creating the world that we want. So the Great Reset is a response to the WEF's Great Reset, which of course we're not going to let happen. But how do we do that? We take positive action to make our world a better place for, as I always like to say, the 99%. So all, so this essentially the Great Reset is around informing us that there are campaigns uh, that there are challenges that we could take up to, to wean ourselves away from the matrix and into positive behavior. Uh, and we're doing the Great Reset campaign in conjunction with Children's Health Defense, our partner on this campaign. So what are some of these challenges? Apart from the information on the website, pointing out the problems that we face, such as corporatism and bureaucracy and the oligarchy and surveillance, etc. There are positive challenges you can take for example, escaping the digital dungeon. Uh, in other words, not being chained to our technology all the time, except for the important work we're doing right now. There's beginner's challenges. Can you do without your phone for 10 minutes a day? And there's advanced challenges. Can you go a day or a week without technology? The other challenges include shopping small for a big change. In other words, shopping locally, as opposed to supporting the conglomerates and chemically laden GMO produce. Can you support local businesses, rather any business really, uh, and bring that money into the local economy? Uh, the other challenge, number three, is around using cash. Use it or lose it. This one is a very special yeah. campaign as well. I'm very delighted to share that Catherine Austin Fitz, as well known in the Health Freedom Movement, has actually endorsed the Great Preset campaign. So she'll be talking more about it as well. Challenge number four, it's time to break up your relationship with fake food, right? So grow your own food. Find out what food you're eating. Teach children about growing food, etc. These are fantastic campaigns to build the world that they, that we want. There's another campaign around moving away from fiat uh, towards other mediums of exchange, such as barter, for example. And the most recent one, just in time for the holiday season, is around giving meaningful gifts to people, not just during the holiday season, but throughout the year. So moving away from consumerism and expensive gifts to gifts with meaning, such as your time, such as service, such as writing a poem, such as a meal for the homeless, for example. So really some fantastic campaigns that help us change the way we think and create the world we want. 
Fantastic. Now, Shabnam, I do want to leave a little bit of time because we've got a video from the World Council of Health we're going to play in a second. So very, very quickly, um, can you tell us about the World Council for Health shop? Because you've just launched that and you have got some interesting products that people might be interested in for Christmas presents, um, calendars and the sort. Tell us quickly about that. Thank you, James. So there's been a great demand for the World Council for Health to open a shop from the public, from our supporters. Uh, but of course, the proceeds of the shop go towards covering the expenses of this now two-year-old organization that has done phenomenal trailblazing work. So products on the newly launched shop include a book by Dr. Willem van Aert and COVID-19 law lawlessness, uh, EMF products, merchandise, is a calendar by Bob Moran, which is really selling out already. So we're so excited to have launched the shop. And of course, we ask the public to support us. Fantastic. Get yourselves over to um, worldcancerforhealth.org and definitely check that out um, after this show. Right, um, studio, please, can we play clip two? Truth Warriors, and thank, thank you for watching this important video. The World Council for Health turned two in September 2023. From a sincere vision to a confident seedling. To an internationally known organization. With partners in over 50 countries. Help us celebrate now. We want to continue our work protecting public health and freedom. And providing you and your family and friends with resources to empower you through challenging times. To do this, we need to raise consistent funds. With your contributions, we have achieved so much. And as we grow with you, we can do even more. Every contribution you made has been and is being invested wisely in strategic and creative activities. With your help, we have created over 500 videos with experts and influencers in health, science, freedom and sovereignty, and over 100 live meetings. Over 150 statements, reports and guides, including our in-depth guide on early COVID-19 treatment. Our spike protein detox guide. Shabnam at the end, I'll just say thank you, Shabnam. And yeah, two thank international you. Better Way conferences, as well as many affiliated conferences and community events. Three policy briefs covering monopoly health, the effect of unregulated digitalization and human trafficking. Campaigns, including Exit the Who, on our latest campaign with Children's Health Defense, The Great Free Set. In addition, we are establishing autonomous country councils and providing support to our partners around the Fantastic. Um, the World Council for Health does so much great work. I love the organisation. I've been to both Better Way conferences. Um, very, very quickly, we've got around a minute left, um, Shabnam. Tell us very, very quickly about these country councils you're setting up, because you've been very, very busy setting this decentralised network, hopefully one day to challenge the WHO, which is a very much a centralised network. Tell us very, very quickly about that. Again, it's part of the great free set and decentralizing the opposite of what we what they do. We now have over 25 country councils in different parts of the world, all pulling together to share health guidance and create a better world. And of course, if you want to start a country council in your country, do contact us via country councils at worldcouncilforhealth.org. Together, we are creating a better way for a better world. Fantastic. Um, thank you so, so much, Shabnam, for all of the great work you do with the World Council of Health, with Children's Health Defence and all for the other organisations. There's a lot going on, which we haven't talked about today in South Africa. We'll have to get you back on soon to talk about the court cases, the ongoing court yeah. cases going on there. But thank you so much and do thank everybody at the world council for health from all of us at tnt radio for all of the great work that you're doing and i look forward to having you and tess and others back on soon right what thank a show um, and 
Thank you very much, Shabnam. Um, to the rest of you, don't go anywhere because we've got more fantastic shows for you right here on TNT Radio. TNT Radio.